Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode featuring the one, the only, the absolute legend that is Mr. Johnny Saint. Um, We are proudly part of the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, I'm Jim Smallman. I'm your host. Uh, You'll hear me chatting to Mr. Saint in in just a few few minutes' time. Um, A proper privilege for me. I explain why Johnny Saint is so important to me as a wrestling fan quite early on in the podcast. Uh, and he just is. He's a, a huge reason why I'm a wrestling fan. I'd, I'd say probably the main reason why I got into wrestling initially when I was really, really small. And as I sit here uh, in my front room in North Wales uh, with baby Claudio staring at me, um, he might he might chip in in a minute. He might not. Um, I'm aware that there's going to be a point when he starts watching wrestling and there's going to be certain things in wrestling that he hooks into for the first time. Um, and, and I can't wait to find out what that is. I think that's just just a really positive way to look at things. So um, so this week, it's me chatting to Johnny Saint. Um, uh, yesterday, I was in Sheffield. Uh, we had our first progress show in Sheffield. Uh, came about by accident because our venue in Manchester was double booked. Um, if you came out to it, Thanks a lot. You made the Academy in Sheffield amazing. Uh, it's a wonderful venue, staffed by some really, really lovely people. Uh, it was a great show. A couple of absolutely belting matches that when they uh, get onto Demand Progress, uh, which is demand-progress.com, uh, when they're on Demand Progress by probably roughly the end of the week, that um, they're well worth checking out. In particular, Will Ospreay versus Adam Cole and... Zack Sabre Jr. versus Pete Dunne, both fantastic matches for completely different reasons. Um, and there's a lot of daftness on the show. I don't want to spoil any of it for you, but a lot of the show is silly in places, um, <laughs> and, and it's yeah, there's there's a lot of it's not a humour based show, but there's a couple of really really funny moments on the show that are are you know are worth your time. You know, and the show leading up to Christmas, you'll see why it's it's fun. Um, so that's demand-progress.com for that. Progresswrestling.com for all your tickets and things like that. Our next Manchester show, which is in March, goes... Uh, we'll be on sale by the time you hear this. Um, so, um, you know, get on board with that if you want to come back to see us at the Ritz in Manchester in March. Um, 
In the meantime, my website, jimsmorman.com. It's jimsmorman.com slash TNJ if you want to point someone in the direction of this podcast to give them the various ways they can subscribe and listen and a list of all the episodes, stuff like that. That's where they go. jimsmorman.com slash mygirls if you want to pay $5 and download my little uh, stand-up special that I recorded in June, mainly in front of wrestling fans. Um, So if you want to do that, get on board with that. Or if you just want to see where I'm gigging, watch a few videos of me and do that sort of stuff and obviously please support the other Distraction Pieces Network podcast Distraction Pieces itself with the wonderful Scroobius Pip it was uh, mentioned I I believe as an iTunes pick of 2016 podcast yet again so it should be because it's great Uh, and also the Stop and Search podcast and the Say Why to Drugs podcast are both brilliant as well check those out just enjoy them enjoy podcasting podcasting is great I love it obviously doing a podcast thanks Claudio I know you love it as well do you love podcasting? do you love podcasting? Yeah, you do, mate. There we go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, enjoy me chatting to Johnny Saints. Um, Johnny is uh, hes a very softly spoken man, so um, I've tried to get the volume levels of this right, but it is a handheld recorder, and I'm aware I'm quite loud. So hopefully you can pick up everything that he says. I've tried to balance it as well as I can. Um, but what an absolute joy. And I'm super grateful um, uh, for him dedicating some time to sit and have a chat with me. And what a gentleman. Like, it's just something amazing about going into a man's house and he's one of your heroes and him offering to make you a sandwich i didn't have a sandwich i was too nervous to eat because i was so nervous about meeting someone who meant so much to me so um just an absolute gentleman i really like to extend my thanks to him for for dedicating you know giving a bit of his time up to chat to me and talk about wrestling um and also um to, to william regal who put me in touch with him in the first place so thank you both um uh hopefully uh, I will see Johnny Saints again in the future. I really hope I do because he's just a, a wonderful bloke. I stayed and chatted to him a little while after we finished doing the podcast and just a, a smashing gentleman. Everything you want your heroes to be when you meet them, which is is great to say. So anyway, listen to me talking to Johnny uh, and uh, well, let me know what you think. If you want to tweet me, at Jim Smallman, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Enjoy this chat because it's, it's one of my favourite things I think I've ever done. So go and have a, have a listen and then I'll, uh, I'll catch you on the other side. Right, we're on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story, right? Um, about the first time I knew I liked wrestling. So I think it's maybe 1981 or 1982, and I'm sat in my grand's uh, flat, which was above a newsagent's on an estate called Thurnby Lodge in Leicester, and we used to watch the wrestling every Saturday, and I never really liked it. I I I, I, I wasn't fussed about the big lads like Big Daddy and people like that. And I never really liked wrestling, I got wrestling, until one day I watched you <laughs> tying people up in knots. And that was the point where, I, there was two things. One was what you were doing in the ring, really, it blew my mind when I was like three or four years old. It just made me go, I love this, and it's never changed. I've always loved wrestling ever since. And the other thing was your name, but because cause you, you were called Johnny Saint, my favourite toy car when I was a kid was a little Jaguar XJS from the TV series, The Saint. So, for some reason, for years, I thought you drove that car. <laughs> so, I don't know if in about 1981, 1982, you were driving the Jaguar XJS. <laughs> no, I wasn't, unfortunately, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're the, you're the reason I'm as into wrestling as I am. That's, wow. that's, that's down to you, really. I'll, t- I'll take that as a compliment, then. thank you. <laughs> so, is, is you responsible for me doing stand-up about wrestling, for me doing this podcast, for me doing... Um, for, for co-owning a wrestling promotion has all come from 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 your initial influence. If I hadn't seen you, I don't think I would have 
I, I might have fallen in love with something else when I was a kid. Yeah. But it was it, it, yeah. it was it was seeing you on the wrestling that that, that really did it for me. And yeah. and at the time, I remember because I just discovered you in 1981, 1982. I remember thinking, well, he's brand Johnny Saints brand new to me. So mm-hmm. clearly, he's brand new. But in 1981, 1982, you'd already been wrestling for. Quite a few years, actually. <laughs> Quite a few years. Because the debut was nine fifty eight, I think. Nineteen fifty eight, nineteen fifty nine. Yes, when I started Pro- professional. Yes. It's and and uh, we have a mutual friend in in William Regal who yes. has, has has asked me to point a couple of things out. But one of the things he mentioned was your start in, in wrestling came from you 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 were amateur boxer to start with. I started off as an amateur boxer in the last year at school and. Uh, at the same time, I was also bo- boxing for the local boys' club where I used to live in Failsworth uh, in Manchester. Yeah. Uh, then we moved, my family uh, and I moved to Belgrave Road in New Moston, still part of Manchester. Yeah. And four doors away from us, uh, there was a corner shop on the opposite side of our street. And it was a, a ladies' hairdresser's, and the, the Robinson family moved in there. Ah. Billy's mother, Esther, was a lady's hairdresser. And my mother started to go there and have her hair done. And of course, mothers get talking. Uh, oh, yes, my son's a, an amateur boxer. And yes, and oh, my son's a wrestler. And so I was introduced to Billy. Yeah. Uh, so this would be, uh, oh, I'd be, well, I'd left school. I'd be about 16 then. Mm. And uh, of course, Billy was three, four years older than me and a lot bigger than me. I, I was about five foot eight and three quarters and ten stone, ten pound at the time. Billy was about six foot three and about fifteen and a half stone. <laughs> but I um, got on well with him and, and I met other guys and I, I used to take me to watch him wrestling and uh, and then he de- decided to open a gymnasium in Failsworth. Mm. Lower Failsworth, and it was an old dance academy right by the canal. And it was called the Valley House. And my, funnily enough, my mother used to go there dancing <laughs> when she was a, a youngster. And uh, so I started to go down there and uh, started training. Now, Billy's dad uh, was an ex boxer, mm. and, uh, and his dad's brother was an ex boxer, you know. And uh, so his dad started to train me as boxers in the boxing but it was predominantly a wrestling gymnasium sure. so there was hardly anybody to spar with mm. uh, you know uh, I mean I sparred with Billy a few times but it was a no contest really um, <laughs> if it hadn't been for the fact that there was four walls in the gym I'd have been vertically on the floor all the time but I'll give Billy his, his credit Whenever I cocked him with a good one, he'd own up to me and said, you caught me a good one. Anyway, I'm, I'm going off the subject now. Um, so I got dragged onto the mat more and more. And, and so that's how it took over, uh, the amateur wrestling. Mm. You know, uh, I never achieved anything as an amateur wrestler. Um, I was mainly uh, wrestling in the gymnasium under Billy because uh, he had a lot of... He used to come up from Smithfield Market in Manchester, and uh, and it was a good. There's quite a lot of people there. Good, good training. So, see, that's the thing is, is amateur wrestling's not. I mean, in the states, amateur amateur wrestling's a 
a big part. You look at a lot of the guys who progress to, to WWE, for example. Yes. A lot of them have an amateur wrestling background. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, it's not. It's it, it, certainly in Britain, it's not as much of a thing as it is. It would have been back in in your youth. Wasn't no, it? no, that's right. That's right. Uh, the business has moved on an awful lot mm. in the years that I've been in the business. Uh, it, it really has moved on. Um, I, I am sometimes a little dismayed mm. when I see the modern uh, style of, of wrestling now, or work, whatever you want to mm. call it. But I'm, I've got to hold my hands up and say, well, unless, <coughs> unless a business evolves, it will fail. Yeah. And so the promoters and, and the wrestlers are giving the crowd what the crowd want now. Mm. And so I can't knock it. Because if you watch the WWE, etc., they're doing fantastic business. So somebody's doing it right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll hold my hands up. I think that's that's the thing as well. Is is I I found myself the other day. I'm 38, and I found myself the other day having a conversation with one of my co-promoters, like genuinely doing that thing of saying, "Oh, I wouldn't have done it like that," and, and realizing that my opinion is probably very different now to a 20-year-old. You know, and it, and it is the same. It's the same, you know, it'll be the same with me and you talking about what we like in wrestling. What yes. you like will be different. Even though there's elements of what I like is exact, going to be exactly the same as yours. Mm -hmm. Because you you trained in the 19, you know, in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. your, your style of wrestling and what you enjoy out of wrestling is going to be different to, to what, uh, in some ways, to what William Regal likes and to what I like. There's, there's different generations, isn't there? Of course. And But what I think is is interesting is is when someone like yourself who's still training people and still teaching people is you do still appreciate that that stuff does have to evolve because oh yes because i mean the industry can't just stand still it'll be no you know. no no it's whenever i do a training seminar now because uh, myself and marty jones mm. we do training seminars and when i went over to uh, orlando in march this year i give all the trainees uh, a little lecture first of all and tell them that I can only teach you the old world of sport style mm. wrestling uh, I'm not saying that you should drop everything that you have <laughs> learned so far or what you do in, in the ring and, and substitute it with my style because mm. it probably wouldn't work for you but if you can pick up a few pointers from what I show you and integrate it into your style of wrestling now, all the better. See, as well, I think <clears throat> if you go back to the, the old world of sport style, which I'm, I'm a fan of, but I'm aware that if I showed it, for example, to my 16-year-old nephew, he might not appreciate it right now when what he wants to see is people somersaulting off the top rope and, and whatever. But I think when he's 25, and he's in, if he's been into wrestling for that long, there's a point where you get it. So I liked World of Sport when I was a kid, and then when I was a teenager, it was all WWE for me. And then when I was in my 20s, I went back and revisited World of Sport and realised how much I loved it. And I think it's there's loads of... The fundamentals you can take from the World of Sport style are, are, are tremendous and give you a great grounding, but also the storytelling, because it's not... The, the storytelling that you, you had to do was with with a, a lot less impact so you're not you're not doing crazy stuff because you, you didn't need to like if you go back and watch your matches for example 
what you're doing is a style different to, and people have tried to ape it since, but uh, I, I heard William Regal call you an escapologist before, which is, like, that style is, it, it, to be able to tell a story in that way is, is wonderful and, and something that, if people could learn that from you, it's going to help them because regardless of the crazy stuff that you can do, it, it all comes down to storytelling, doesn't it? It comes of down course. to being able to take the viewer on that, on that journey that's right. and make them care who wins or loses. Yeah, that's right, yes, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and learning from someone like yourself and from Marty is, is only going to give people that, that great ground, isn't it? Yes, of course. What we've got to remember is, of course, that the uh, world of sport wrestling has now been off television in, in England here for what must be at least 25 years. Yeah, 1989, I think. It's 1989. Uh, and so the American influence then started to creep in, didn't it? Mm. So it was like somebody just slammed the door on, on the world of sport mm. and here we have it now this is a complete new new thing so everybody has become educated to this uh, yeah. modern style but occasionally people will question uh, or go back and look at the old style and think oh yes this was good in its time mm. and like I've just said if a business, a bit, unless a business does evolve, it will fail. Yeah. And the funny thing is that um, <clears throat> the the old world of sport uh, wrestling is shown throughout the way. It was shown throughout the world. Absolutely. There were so many countries who bought that mm. uh, the the, uh, the tapes. I can remember walking down the the high street. I think it was in uh, in Nairobi. <laughs> somewhere like that <clears throat> and everybody was saying oh John Saint John Saint and it just and it, I was amazed because it it just showed me that the world the world of sport type of wrestling everybody knew it wherever yeah. I went it's and that's the thing as well is is certainly 70s and 80s when America was all territorial it did feel that we were leading the way yeah. and you only have to look at the reputation that yeah. people like Billy Robinson people like yourself have in Japan and the United States now, yes. you only have to look at how much yes. it, it did lead the way. I, I think among <clears throat> among smarter wrestling fans now, people do go back and look at it and go, oh, oh, I, I totally appreciate this now. I know when, when William Regal was on the podcast, he was giving people matches that they should go and watch from back yes. in the day, and, and yes. people were, were messaging me saying, oh, this is wonderful. Well, yes. well of course it is. Yes. And, that, and that's... I think if you go back and watch wrestling from the United States in the 1970s mm -hmm. compared to wrestling, and there's loads of World of Sports stuff on YouTube, mm -hmm. you go back and watch World of Sports from the 1970s, early 80s, or you go back and watch American stuff from the same time, mm -hmm. I think there's lots more to enjoy from, from stuff our side of the pond. And maybe right. I'm biased because I right. like World of Sports right. style. Well, um, you've got me there because I, I don't watch anything these days, yeah. you know. So, yeah, you may, you may have a very valid point there. Very valid point. It's... um. I, I have to ask you, so you, you debuted 1958-59 um, yeah. time as a, a professional. Can you remember who your debut match was against? Yeah, it was with Colin MacDonald. Right. Uh, God bless him, he's dead. He, he's died many years ago. Mm. He was the guy who actually took me down uh, to a gymnasium in Hardwick Green in Manchester. And uh, I had no idea about the professional job at all. I mean... I, I was uh, so enthralled with Billy Robinson. I used to go and watch Billy Robinson at uh, Bellevue, and like I say, he used to take me to a few places. And uh, Colin MacDonald took me down to this uh, gymnasium. Well, we call it a gymnasium. It was just a room in a 
in a terraced house actually and there was a mat on the floor and uh, I didn't realise there was a c couple of guys stood around uh, with pens and papers and uh, and they put me on the mat uh, with a, a few guys who I hadn't got a clue who they were and uh, and the next thing I know these guys these guys stood around would you like to turn professional we'll, we'll offer you some work <laughs> and it, you know, I was amazed really amazed and so they gave me my first match yeah. I said yes okay and they gave me my first match against Colin McDonald because he, he was the guy who took me down it's it's amazing as well when how you break into the business now is very different to back yes. in the day isn't it yes. and and with me being I'm a bit of a nerd for 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 older wrestlers and, and <clears throat> it's weird in that I know a lot of I know a lot of current wrestlers and I'm you know I kind of know their origin stories mm -hmm. as it were in that most guys decide they like wrestling watch wrestling at a certain point probably the same sort of point as me or yes. a little bit or a little bit later if they're younger than me and then they went to a wrestling school that's mm -hmm. people of my generation right and <clears throat> with yourself and and, and you know, and certainly people who trained in the even in the seventies, maybe early eighties, there was no, there was still the, the legitimacy of it in that we know how wrestling works now. Yes. But there was the, there was no point where that was presumably spelled out to you until you became a wrestler. No, that's true. That's true. <clears throat> we, we've always the business has always had its um, showmanship, gimmicky guys. Mm. Always had the big fellas. Yeah. Um, who didn't necessarily have to know much about wrestling. Mm -hmm. But if you were um, an ordinary sort of guy, like myself, I mean, if I walk down the street, no, I'm just an ordinary Joe Soap, yeah. unless you personally know me. Yeah. So in those days, if you were the likes of myself, you had to have a little bit of a pedigree behind you sure. uh, in order to, to make progress, and to, to, to come into the profession... And I had the best pedigree in the world, didn't I? Mm. Billy Robinson's gymnasium. Of course. You know, that was that was my calling card. It's, a, it's an excellent ticket in, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, this guy's this guy's from one of Billy Robinson's lads. You were in. Mm. You were in right away. You know, had I have not been to Billy Robinson's gymnasium, I probably would never have made it. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know that. Were you a fan of professional wrestling when you were a kid? So did you ever sort of go and watch it or anything? No. Like Up to me going down to this gymnasium in Ardwick Green, I'd, I'd never never thought about it at all. <laughs> that I'd, makes it I'd, even more astonishing that you've had so yeah, many years in it. <laughs> I, I'd been down, I'd been to watch Billy, as I said, a, a couple of times, two or three times. He, he took me with him and I'd, I used to go and watch him at Bellevue. And it never, I was still, I was still going to Billy's gym three times a week, mm. the old Valley House there. Still get my head ploughed into the deck, you know, and never, never thought about the professional world at all. It <clears throat> there must have been a point, I suppose. Was it right from your sort of debut that you you fell in love with it, or was it? Because I don't, I don't think anyone could have had the career of the length that you've had without you loving wrestling. It it, it can't have just been a job for you. So there must have been a point where you you thought this is I'm enjoying this. This is great. <coughs> I uh, when I left school, I I, I worked in a, I went worked, worked in a factory, yeah. which I found terribly terribly boring. Mm. And I've I've always said this all my life. 
I've always been a hammer and chisel man, never an academic. Yeah. I was always comfortable doing anything physical. Yeah. I was always good at sport, at school, on the boxing team, I was on the athletic team. Give me uh, an academic thing to do, uh, like maths or anything like yeah. that, and my brain just wants to shut down. So I'm comfortable doing physical things, training. I used to lie awake at night dreaming of how I could make my training harder. Really? Was, yeah, I've always been that way. <coughs> I tackle anything physical, mental. Mm. Mm. Um, so along with the boredom of working in this factory, I... Let me... Let me I used to work from half past seven in the morning to half past five at night. Yeah. And if I got a Saturday morning in as well at the factory, and I was on bonuses, piecework, or whatever you yeah. want to call it, I could earn about 10, 11 pound a week mm -hmm. in those days. When I first started professional wrestling, I, w I worked for a fellow called Jimmy Lewis, who used to run the working men's clubs around Manchester. Right. And there would have been loads at the time. Oh, there was loads. That, that, yeah, <coughs> uh, Southern Sporting Club. There's that many, I can't remember. Now, I could go to, to that club uh, of a night uh, and I could earn £3.10 shillings all money hmm. for a six, five-minute rounder. Now, if I did two clubs in one week... And Tommy Newton would run Chester or somewhere like yeah. that, and, and I would, and I would, for being in a hall, I would get five pound for a six-five round, six-five minute round, plus my expenses. Yeah. Would wreck me up. Yeah, it's, it's good money. And I was having to work from half a seven in the morning till five thirty at night, and get a Saturday morning in and work my, you know what's yeah. off, in order to get my bonuses. It's it's exactly the same principle when I went from doing. I didn't start stand-up until I was 27. Mm -hmm. And I had an office job. That in theory, it was a good office job, but it's not for me. I'm not... Like, I can't imagine having a boss now. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm creative, and that's where my brain is. Yes. And and I remember, like, I, I took a... In theory, took a pay cut to be a stand-up comedian. But then I, I started looking at my hourly rate and going, no, this is... <laughs> Because I have to go to work eight, at least eight hours a day. It's yes. not. So yes. I, I, don't, I think some people it's not cut out for them. You just not cut out for them. That's right. But that is, and also as well, that's. It, it feels to me like that's good money, especially if with you being, you know, at the time you would have been relatively new to it when you, mm. oh, yes. you first sort of graduated from the the factories. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it, I mean. When you started off, obviously you said the working men's schools in Manchester, and Chester's not too. To, to, I mean, yes. for me now, I drive like a thousand miles a week. Yes. So, but it's easy to drive places. That's right. So when you started, it, it wouldn't have been tremendously easy to get around necessarily outside of sort of the, the northwest, would it? Right. Well, yes, I, I know the point you're trying to get at. Yes. As my uh, career progressed, mm -hmm. and, and I started working for for people in, like Paul Lincoln in London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have to leave Manchester at ten o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. To get to London. For say six o'clock at night, yeah. because the M1 was only just being built then. Yeah, it's still gravel. <laughs> yeah, we used to go down the old roads, the yeah. A5, and we'd stop at transport cafes and this, that, and the other. But as as I was in the business longer and longer, um, the times I could leave to get to London were shorter and shorter. Yeah. I, I could 
I could leave Blackpool. I, I lived in Blackpool yeah. for a number of years. I could leave Blackpool at three o'clock in the afternoon to get to London. That's amazing. I wish I yes. could do that now. <laughs> I, this is just this is the point I'm getting at now. Now, if you want, if you wanted to leave Blackpool to get to London, uh, you'd have to leave at ten o'clock in the morning. Yeah, absolutely, again because we have become so congested. Yeah. But it, at that time, it was yes. It wasn't as easy to get to places because you didn't have the motorways, but it was much more leisurely. Yeah. Were you, did you have sort of regular travelling partners when you first started out? Not really, no. no. But you, I mean, you tried to make teams up to, yeah. uh, to, to share the expenses and, and to give you a bit of company. Uh, but, I, I mean, I did an awful lot of travelling on my own. An awful lot. I, I, know, I know that feeling. I yes. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, it's good. I mean, oh, yes. It, it, I think as well... From a comedian's point of view, it gives me time to think up material. That's, mm-hmm. that's one of mm-hmm. the good things for you. And I suppose with with your very unique style of wrestling, because even now I, I always feel there's there's people who've tried to be you since, but I always feel that a lot of the stuff you were doing was and correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt completely new. It like that no one else was doing it, and presumably there must have been points on those journeys where you were thinking, oh, I'll try this now. Yes, and and evolving your act in, in that way. That's right. Uh, yes. as, as it yeah. were. I was always thinking of trying to think up different uh, different things, and, and and I would try different things. But you've also got to remember there was an awful lot of, of good. I'm going to say good wrestlers at that time, you know. And I was, I was, um, shall I say, lucky that there, that there was so many guys. Mm in the business at that time, around my weight and that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, <clears throat> it's something that, there's two names in particular um, that I want to mention um, from the, the sort of world of sport days as opponents for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, one would be Jim Brakes. Oh, yes. Um, the other one would be Steve Gray. Stevie Gray, yes. um, and, and Steve did, uh, so we had a training school for progress in London, and yeah. Steve came to the seminar there, yes. which was really well received, which, you know, from my, the, the fan in me, Gets excited when stuff like that happens. Yes. In the same way, I got excited when Johnny Kidd appeared for us. It's yes. like, it, it, I think it's great that British wrestling is doing well at the minute and it's yes. in a hot period, but we really have to pay respect to everyone who got us to this point in the first place. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, Jim Brakes and Steve Gray, I was talking to William Regal about the fact I was coming to have a chat with you and he said, You need to mention you need to mention his matches with, with Jim Brakes and Steve Gray. And ages ago, when I first became friends with Mr. Regal, um, he sent me a link to a match between a couple of matches uh, that are on YouTube of mm-hmm. yourself with with Jim Brakes and Steve Gray, just going, "This is this is art." And mm-hmm. and there's a there's a big thing in wrestling at the minute where wrestling fans were all, a lot of wrestling fans are smart to how the business works and all that, and, mm-hmm. and and they will they will point out when something is is closer to a work of art than just yes. a wrestling match. Yes. And there's certainly there's there's clashes between between you guys back back then that that feel like that. You watch them now and they, mm. they hold up amazingly well. Mm. Mm. And and just the... It, it must have been... I mean, I don't know. I, I'm presuming that working with both of those gentlemen was was easy for you in terms of, of, of making good matches. It was, actually, because in those days, you were used to working with so many different people mm. that... Um, you could just add lib stuff as you went along. Yeah. You know, and you take Jimmy uh, Jimmy Brakes for instance. Jimmy was <coughs> Jimmy was a master at uh, 
reading the crowd. Mm. He could wind them up by just looking at them. And that's an important skill. Absolutely. It's not just in the ring, you've got to have that. Uh, absolutely, yes. Whereas I was always the, the quiet, um, unassuming sort of guy. Mm. No, but Jimmy could just get people wound up like, a, like, a, like an elastic band. <laughs> and then as soon as we started, like, the, the elastic band would go, you know, and everything would explode. Mm. Now, Stevie Gray was a different sight, different type. That was much more pure sort of wrestling. Mm. Uh, he was a good fit. And he, he knew almost as many, many moves as I did. <laughs> so it was always a good match, yeah. always. Yeah. It's, um, I think, and, and I'll, what I'll do is I'll, for, for the listeners, I'll, I'll tweet out a couple of links to some of these matches so you can go and enjoy them for yourself because yes. it is, for me, that's, British wrestling encapsulated because I know yes. a lot of people who are my age like yes. so I, I remember my my dad there was a th I remember there being an article in the sun about 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 wrestling not strictly speaking shall we say being on the level yeah and I remember it all breaking at that point and, and my dad talking to me about it because he knew I like wrestling and he wasn't in a gloating way I think he didn't want me to find out yes. it's almost like he didn't want me to find out that Father Christmas wasn't real you yes. know what I mean that's, yes. that's you know because my, my yeah. dad's a good guy and and a lot of people do think of if if they're uninitiated, they might think of British wrestling from that period as Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks, and those guys yes. were super important. Oh, absolutely! Because obviously they were drawing huge oh, houses. Absolutely. But you know, and that that's not the thing I was ever into. In the same no. way that when I watch American wrestling or Japanese wrestling, I'm never into the the, the big guys. It's always no. the small, the small technical yes. guys who, yeah. who who can do what you guys were doing back then. Yeah. Yeah. And it. And it's, I mean, did you, did you find, because World of Sport was huge, wasn't it? It was, it oh, was, it was massive. Did you find that it sort of catapulted you into fame? Or was a lot of the fame kind of deflected away towards guys like Big Daddy? Or did you find that no, you no, couldn't no. walk down the street without being recognised? No, when I first started, I worked for the smaller independent promotions, didn't I? Sure. Um, and it wasn't always, the, because they didn't work together, the smaller independent promotions... Um, I would I would phone up I'd, I'd phone Jimmy Lewis and say what have you got for me this month right. Jim and so he'd give me five or six jobs we call them don't we yep. he'd give me five or six jobs then I'd phone Tommy Newton uh, yes I've got five or six jobs here but one of those jobs might clash with something that sure. Jimmy or it might be ten miles down the road yeah. oh well if you're going to do that I, I can't do that one uh, Tommy because I'm working oh well if you're going to do that one Forget mine. Mm. So it was always the wrestler that was the that lost. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. after I'd been in the business uh, a couple of years, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is this is a true story. This I might as well tell you. <coughs> true story. So help me God, as true true as I sit here. True story. I'm at home one day when I was living in Failsworth, and I get a phone call from Jack Atherton. Now, I'd never met Jack Atherton, and Jack Atherton was one of the joint promotions sure. members. And Jack used to talk in a real sort of uh, Wigan-type... Uh, now then, lad, he said, <laughs> uh, I've heard a lot about thee. And I said, he said, I'll tell thee what thee does. If thou wants to come over to joint promotions, I gets himself a pen and paper. This is exactly as he's talking. <laughs> I gets himself a pen and paper... And they writes to Dale Martin promotions in London, and this is what they puts. 
Dear sirs, blah, blah, blah. I've been trained by Billy Robinson. Uh, I can do the professional stuff uh, and I'll... And I'll also challenge any of you. Yeah. And I posted this. I sent it off. Never got a reply. Right. A couple of months later, <coughs> Jack Atherton phones me again. I didn't get a reply, did the lad? No. I said, no, Jack, no. I said, right, get yourself another pen and paper. And this is, honest God, this is dead <laughs> true. He said, write to um, Best Writing Promotions in Didsbury. Yeah. Same letter, off I send it. Didn't hear nothing. But unknown to me, I'd been wrestling for Jimmy Lewis in one of the nightclubs, right, yeah. in Manchester. And Abe Ginsberg was in the club. Now, I didn't know Abe. Never knew him at all, you know. And Abe, at the time, was working in the office for Best Writing Promotions. And he remembered my letter. <laughs> and the next thing I know... I get a phone call from Best Wright Promotions. Will you come to Brighton Stadium one Sunday morning for a tryout? Nice. So I met Jack Robbie as well, because he and Jack Robbie and I travelled over together to Brighton Stadium, and we had a tryout there. And next thing I know, I've got a, a date sheet off Joint Promotions. Now the beauty about Joint Promotions is that there was about twelve promoters. Mm. And they worked together. A bit like the NWA in America. Yeah, yeah. they worked together. They had, they had monthly booking meetings and each, each promoter took it in turn to have first choice of the men. Mm. So you got a date sheet through with a full month's work. Nice. You know? Which, if, if you were... A, a, uh, if you had responsibilities like I was... Uh, I got married later on and had children to support, and so you needed this Absolutely. this thing. Now then, Joint Promotions had the television, <coughs> which is the point I'm trying to get at mm. now. Joint Promotions had the television rights. So you needed that television work yeah. to project you, which made you more uh, recognisable. Got to sell more tickets. Absolutely. Yeah. The more recognisable you are, the better your style, the, the better you've come over, the more... Job promotions are going to use you. And that, that's the whole point of the business, really. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. 
But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's what you are worth to, to the promoter. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And that's the thing is, is I think as well, I, I, I know... Robbie Brookside will often um, put pictures on the internet of people sending posters from when you know where he was performing and stuff like that. And if you look at those posters that were used to sell tickets for for shows that weren't necessarily recorded for television, mm-hmm. but there's always certain names on there yes. that people have used to to really push the tickets, That's and it's right. because I think most people can reel off maybe a list of ten. British wrestlers yes. from the world of sport era, yes. including yourself, in, including Steve Gray, Jim Brakes, and yeah. including people like Royal Barocco, and, yes. uh, and oh, yes. Jones, and, and, yes. and, and there's, there's there's certain names that you look at and go, oh, that's they're the people they're pinning the cards on, yes, because obviously they've made the impression that's right. on, on television. Yeah. Was it was it strange for you to to be? I mean, where was the point where you you sort of became a, a TV star in your career? Because because I know there's on YouTube there's lots of stuff from you from the sort of the, the I think the mid seventies onwards mm-hmm. it, it feels mm-hmm. like so would that have been the point where the, the joint promotion stuff started or was it earlier? It was a bit earlier actually because um, from about uh, the late sixties actually mm-hmm. when it started clicking because I went over to joint promotions about the mid sixties yeah. and um, once then once I've been on television a couple of times then it. it it started to click slowly. And that's the thing, it's like being on television then must have been huge because, like now, there's 400 television stations. Yes. Right? And yeah. I've done tiny bits of television yes. from, being, from being a comedian. Yes. But I know that when I was a kid, there was maybe four really famous comedians in the country. Yes. There's now probably 50 really famous yes. ones. Yeah. And it's the same with, it must have been the same with wrestling because there was only four television channels and World of Sport got such big ratings. That's right. Did it did it ever sort of make it difficult for you to walk down the street or anything? Like, oh, not just were, in Nairobi, obviously. No, <laughs> no, oh, no, there were periods of time. Yeah, yeah there were periods of time, yes. When uh, the, the uh, I mean, come four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, uh, the whole world seemed to stop. Absolutely. You know, everybody was indoors watching the, 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 the wrestling. Well, and as a result of this, and remember, it was also on, on, I think it was Wednesday nights as well, originally. Right. No. Um, as a result of this being on television zone, you couldn't walk down the street without people. <laughs> now, this is what, you, this is what you, you set out to achieve, actually, because, yeah. you know, if you're going to be in the public's eye, you need to be able to recognise for what you do. Yeah. So most of the time, it was brilliant. There were times, actually, when it was a pain in the butt. Yeah. I can imagine, like... Like just anything of of you not getting any peace, but equally because you're in an industry where at the time most of the world wasn't smart and up to how wrestling works. Yes. Did you ever? Was it ever a case that you're trying to have a quiet, quiet drink in a in a pub and and someone is challenging you and stuff like that? Did you ever? Did they ever get to that sort of point? Oh, we got to that a few <coughs> times. A few times. Yes. You know. But uh, I mean, uh, they probably didn't realise you were training with Billy Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, I had a few uh, few incidents, but uh, you just talk your way out. Yeah. Well, you know, why do I want to go uh, 
scuffling around on the, on the cobbles when I get paid for scuffling around, absolutely. you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, the one thing I want to bring up from the world of sport thing is, is so I'm, I'm really, into, obviously I'm a comedian, so I'm really into mm. my comedy. And um, my wife is not a wrestling fan. Right. Um, she likes wrestling because she comes to progress shows and, yes. and you know, when, when I go and watch WWE, she'll come along with me and she, yeah. you know, and, and it's weird that she knows a lot of wrestlers but isn't super into wrestling. Yes. But when me and my wife first got together, we bonded over a TV series called Ponderland, which is presented by Russell Brand. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know, but you're in that. So there's footage of you from um, a, an old world of sports. Um, it must have been a world of sport based thing where they took, I think, a church organist mm-hmm. and they, trained, they tried to train him to become a wrestler. And I don't know if you remember this. Oh, I remember this. Yes. And and it and it's there's a, a couple of instances of you of you talking and stuff like that with your, your incredibly soothing voice. But it it I remember watching this and going, uh, uh, going what? I got Johnny Saints in this program yeah. because basically it was a, a show where he's talking about various sports things and it and, and they show footage of this guy repeatedly trying to throw a drop kick and he can't do it. Yes. And and again, it's a different time, so no one's. Yeah. There's no point where they've sat him down and gone, right, um, just so you're aware. So he's not been smartened up to wrestling at all. No, and they've got no. this poor bloke in yes. the ring. Yes. And I just didn't know if, you, if it was something that you remember doing because it was... I have got a vague recollection yeah. of it. I remember them coming, uh, I was living in Blackpool at the time, and I remember them coming to Blackpool and interviewing me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I think, if, I, if my memory serves me correct... I think I was on the wrestling show at the Royal Albert Hall mm. when he had his match. Did he actually? Because that's the thing. I because I, I've not seen the full program, so I don't know that there's just a couple of clips of it in this other program. Yeah. So I didn't realise he actually got to the stage of him having yes, a match. He did actually, and if I remember right, I think he was on with John Naylor right. from Wigan, and John was a good wrestler, a good straight wrestler as yeah. well. I presumably needed to look after him. <laughs> uh, John was too good for him. Yeah. Just too good for him. Yeah. You know. You can't just take somebody who has not really done anything mm. physical for most of the Because he was life. a tiny bloke as a well. A tiny bloke. Yeah. And he was in a sedatory kind of occupation, as it yeah. were. And you can't just take somebody like that and no. and, and, and project them and, and there'd be a 100% success. So it, from that point of view, he, it was a failure, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was... It was quite a bizarre bit of television. It was. As yes. well, because presumably at the time, you guys would have still been really, really protective of the industry. And I, it sounds strange in a, in a world where everyone talks about wrestling on the internet and everyone knows everything. Mm-hmm. But from our point of view as, as promoters of progress, like I won't be seen talking to the bad guys in public and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Even though they're, they're my employees mm-hmm. and often my friends, I'm mm-hmm. not going to mm-hmm. make a big deal about... You know, putting pictures on the internet of me out having a drink with them. No, that's to me that's not something you do. But back in the the seventies and eighties, you guys would have been really protective over the industry. And having a documentary like that made would have obviously raised some difficult questions. Yes, wouldn't it? yes. Uh, the business was run on on uh, a much stricter lines then mm. than, like I said, you you uh, the smaller guys like you had to. You had to have recommendations or pedigrees to, to, to be able to come into the business, you know. Now anybody can walk into the job and 
you know. Um, so yes, we were much more protective yeah. uh, of the business, definitely. And, and, I, and I think as well, I suppose there must have been a point where where stuff like that, I remember that news, I specifically remember a newspaper article in the mid, I think it was in the mid-1980s, mm-hmm. that it, it must have been, it must have been like a weird sort of talk of the locker room sort of thing to happen, mm. in that all of a sudden you, you're going to be asked more questions by journalists and stuff, because it was, wrestling was reported on as a legitimate sport, yes. as it still is in Japan. Yes. You know, and, yes. and, and I kind of I'd love it if it was still like that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but unfortunately everyone's kind of wise to it now yeah, you know? yeah everybody is Yeah, it still doesn't alter the fact that uh, a lot of wrestlers get badly injured absolutely and that's badly injured from a promoter's point of view yes it's the thing that upsets me because I consider everyone who works for me as like we have a very friendly locker room and, mm. and everyone who works for me is a friend yes and I, the, the last thing I say to most guys before they go out from behind the curtain mm. is don't do anything stupid Yes, because yeah. they don't need to they're talented they're, people don't need to do anything stupid Absolutely. you don't need to be landing on your head you don't need to be, no, you know, no. be jumping off the top rope to the outside no. you know. but because I'm not a wrestler no. I don't lay out exactly what I want in a match yes. I trust the wrestlers yes. to work it out yes. and inevitably they'll get carried away Yes, um, and I'm sometimes I'll have to shout at them but yes. very rarely yeah. I, and there's been a couple of times we've had serious injuries. So there's a, a, a very talented young man who was our champion called Mark Haskins, right. who's an excellent wrestler. <clears throat> and he's got a neck problem. Yes. He's only 26. Yeah. And fingers crossed, he's been told to rest, so he's had to give up our title. He's yeah. been told to rest. And hopefully if he rests for a few months and has the right physio, yes. he'll be fine. Yeah. But if not, that's the end of his wrestling career. 26. Right. And, and he's not... He's not someone who's doing loads of stupid stuff. No, no. And it's just, and he's not wrestling the sort of schedule that you would have wrestled back no, in the day. No. When you're saying you were wrestling six, seven times a week. Yes, yes. And you did that solidly. Yes. Because I bet you didn't have a lot of holidays either, did you? No. Because <laughs> no. it's the same, the entertainment industry is weird like that in that. Yes. You, 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 I never feel I can take holiday. No. And it's probably the same. Well, you do so much travelling, don't you? Yeah. A holiday for you is to, is, to, is to come off the road for a week, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, don't, you don't necessarily have to fly to some exotic place somewhere. And my holidays were, were just to be at home yeah. and, and think, oh, I don't have to put the keys in that ignition for a whole week. Yeah, it's lovely that. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. In terms of travels, where did you, where did you sort of, because um, I know when, when I had William Regal on, there was, his big thing when he started wrestling was he wanted to go to Germany and he wanted to, he, had, he saw senior wrestlers go into cool places like Africa and he wanted to go there. Um, I mean, do you know how many countries you've checked off the list? Because you must have been to a lot of places. Right, let's start with the alphabet, if I can... Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this could well be the, one of the best podcast features ever. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Saint recites the alphabet of places <laughs> he's been to. Right. I've been to, I wrestled in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Kuwait, Zimbabwe, I've gone out off the alphabet now, Zimbabwe. <laughs> Sorry, I'll edit it, I'll edit it. <laughs> Zambia, Kenya... Uh, Sudan, wow. Japan, France, Belgium, Holland, Austria, Germany, Italy, America, Ireland. 
can't think of anymore. <laughs> there probably are some more places, but I just it, can't think. Is of. there? It's probably easy to ask you this: Is there anywhere, any country, you've been desperate to wrestle in, and you've not got a chance? Maybe it nearly happened and then fell through, or anything like that. Uh, no, I don't. Th- no, I don't think so. I mean, I tried to get into the into America. Oh, in the early sixties, mm. uh, I had a load of publicity <coughs> made, and, and I don't know where I got the. Uh, promoters' names and addresses from, but I remember sending about, oh, ten, maybe ten letters out to different promoters. Uh, I only got reply to one of them, who was as nice as yeah. he could be, but just said, you're too small for America. Because at, at the time, I was, you know. <laughs> well, it is weird as well, when I, like, when I spent time in America, I'm five foot, five foot ten. Yeah. And, and I'm, I... I'm always bothered by how short I am when I go. To, when you meet Americans and you realise oh. that American guys on the TV, you think they're small because they're against someone who's nearly seven That's foot tall, and you realise they're six three, six four. Yeah. And it, when it, I when I was over in Orlando in in March this year, I felt like a midget. <laughs> there was all these NFL ex NFL players yeah. that the WWE bring in, and all in good condition, and the the shortest one was six foot. Yeah. Six foot, six foot five, seven foot tall. I was looking up to them all the time, <laughs> you know. So what happened to us when, when well, what happened to me when, with these, when the growth pills were being handed out? <laughs> it's in terms of your travels around uh, around Europe, and I'm gonna, I've got some specific things about Japan and America in a bit because I think the American thing in particular is quite is quite interesting. How you kind of were turned out, but then. You've still been there, which is, I think is quite lovely. But in terms of Europe, um, I mean, was was Germany sort of the main place that? Because obviously Germany used to have the catch tournaments, didn't it? So That's was right. Germany the main place for you for you to? Fra- uh, France was a good. Place. I used to oh, do right. what they call the chapitos in France. Yeah. Uh, because France is very rural, mm. they don't have town halls like we have. Yeah. So they would go to a town somewhere, and and they would put a. It, yeah, it's an actually a circus tent, mm. and they would put it up on the village green or on a, a supermarket car park, and uh, and I thought I used to take my caravans over there, oh, nice. and I'd find uh, they would give me my the list of where I was working, and I would find a a, a local or a, a a campsite somewhere that which I could travel out to every yeah. day. Yeah. and park myself there for a week or two weeks and travel out every so I sort of had a base to come back to yeah and you can escape <clears throat> yes because I know that when you talk to, to some people doing the, the, the big sort of catch tournaments in Germany that were obviously in, obviously in big circus tents that's right often they'd start, I know Robbie Brookside said he'd, he'd stay in a caravan right next to it that's right so you're not really escaping no are that's you? right no well I did the same when I used to do the German tournaments mm-hmm. yes um yeah, take my caravan over and park it up there and, uh, and find a gymnasium somewhere. Or, yes. In terms of, and this is, so if you don't mind me saying, you're, you're 75 years old, is that correct? 75 now, right. yes. Right, now, um, you are, I mean, I, I remember watching you wrestle as recently as, I think, 2011 was the last time I, mm-hmm. I, I've watched a specific DVD of you mm-hmm. wrestling. And you're still in, like, amazing nick. Like, and... I mean, you still do you still train now? Oh yes. I thought I thought that would be the answer. Oh yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, how strict a sort of training regime have you got? I mean, how strict well, a training regime have you got now? And how strict were you back in the day? Because if you watch, 
I think a lot of people's impression of British wrestling again is 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 that not everyone was in tremendous shape, which is the wrong impression to have. Yes, because there were guys like yourself who you mentioned before you were you were always trying to push yourself harder to train, even when you were a kid. Yes. So presumably you've always had that attitude all through your life. Yes. And it's kept you in the shape that you're in now. Yes. So, so how much are you training now and how much were you training back in the day? How much was I training back in the day? Yeah. Uh, I used to do road work regular. Right. Uh, so, so like proper boxing stuff. Really, yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. because I've, the last 40 years of my life, I've always lived within 100 yards of a beach. Mm. My road work was always on the beach in the sand dunes. Yeah. Which are um, hard work. Hard work. <laughs> hard running work. up and down the sand dunes. Uh, and I've always done circuit training mm. uh, with weights, yeah. you know. Uh, and cardio training, going through the pack of cards with uh, doing squats and press-ups and things like that. Which I know wrestlers do now. Yes. And, you yeah. know, because I see wrestlers on Facebook or whatever saying, yeah. I've just done a pack of cards work out, it's killed me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at my age now, yes, I still train, but I can't train as hard as I used to do because uh, I can't run any longer because my knees uh, take a terrible pounding now and they, they really do Done well work. to get to this point with your knees to be yes, fair yeah you know I'm, I'm a 38 year old man who's not an athlete yeah and my knees are ruined yeah and uh, and you know I'm going to be running a marathon next year people are saying oh. don't <laughs> no <laughs> but um but I mean, I mean, so if you if you can't run, I mean, what what sort of stuff? Are you well, doing? I still do lots of squats. Yeah, yeah. I use weights now just to keep a bit of shape, actually, more than anything. And uh, every now and again, when I want to uh, boost my fit, physical fitness, I'll, I'll do the squats and press ups with the cards. Yeah, for the cardio. It's um because you've got to remember now that I don't I don't wrestle any longer. I've no desire to wrestle any longer. Uh, I'm only coaching, as it were. So if I'm in the ring pulling them around and I start getting a bit out of breath, I can always take a break and say, somebody else get in, I'll watch what you, I'll show you how to do it now. So I'm willing to bet you're still probably in better shape than quite a lot of independent wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily in this country, but yeah. certainly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But, and that's, we'll come to the, the sort of the end of your career. I think it's interesting what you said about you've got no desire to wrestle because. You must have kept that desire to wrestle for a long time because you were still wrestling into your late 60s. Uh, well, I actually wrestled uh, 12 months ago in Italy. Do you know, I did read about that. Um, what, right, what, genuinely, what made you want to do it? Because if you've got no desire to wrestle now, did 12 months ago, did you still have the desire? No, uh, no I didn't actually, no. <laughs> and I've been asked to, to wrestle in Ireland uh, within the last couple of months. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually have the desire to wrestle, but uh, Marty Jones and I went went over to Italy to do a, a coaching training seminar, and uh, Marty was doing all the dealing because I, I tend to be lazy-minded, so I let Marty <laughs> do all. That. And uh, they just asked Marty, "Would would Johnny wrestle for us?" And uh, I turned it, turned it down a couple of times at first. Yeah. Eventually I agreed, providing they put me in a tag match so that I knew of that I could duck out if I mm. started uh, getting out of breath and things like that. And so, yeah, I wrestled in Italy. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, this is the thing about, it's about wrestlers retiring in that you, you do always feel that the wrestlers don't ever really retire. Like, Yeah, <laughs> you've always got that, you've always got that, well, shall I do it? Shall I do it? But 
No, I've got. I think you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Whoa, hang on." My age now, mm. I am nowhere. I know that my faculties are going slowly. I know I'm nowhere near as fit, as fast, or as loose as I used to be. So don't kid yourself. You know. Yeah. You've had a good career. Uh, I'm quite happy now doing the occasional coaching seminar and doing what I'm going to do shortly. Yeah. Uh, but there's good. There's going to be a time when I'm going to just say. I've had enough of all this now. I'm going to hang my boots up. I don't ever think that I will stop training. Yeah. I think I will train until, well, the day I die, mm. you know. It is a way of life, though, isn't it? It, it is. It yeah. is, because I've been doing it all my life. Yeah. Uh, and I always feel better. I mean, you, you go through periods, uh, like the winter, winter periods here, really, really depress me. Mm. Really. So sometimes I really have to stoke myself up. Yeah, sure. To to uh, get out there and train because I train at home, mm. uh, you know, on my carport, and um, but I always feel better when I've trained. Yeah, yeah, it's, and, it is and, true. And, and if if a period arrives, as it's just arrived just just lately, because I've been so busy doing other things, I miss training for uh, ten days. It bothers me. Yeah, sure. It bothers me, and I think, come on. Come on, get out there and get something done. And, mm. and yes, I do it, and I always feel better after I've done it. Yeah. I, I'm, one of the things I want to talk about is, is your initial retirement tour, um, which was in Japan in 1996. Yes. Um, when I've done the maths, you were 55 then. Yes. And presumably, when you decided to do this retirement tour, um, and it was with uh, DDT in Japan, wasn't it? I think. Uh, uh, Michinoko. Michinoko Pro. Michinoko Promotions. And and so at fifty five, presumably this was your first retirement. So you'd not had you ever had there ever been a point the say in your forties where you thought maybe I'll pack it in now? Or had you kept going solidly up until that point where you thought I'm gonna do a retirement tour in Japan? No, I had taken a uh, a little bit of time out of the business, and well, after the after the yeah, no, sorry, I'm getting myself mixed up there. No, um, what you've got to realise is that um, when I first started, it was always predominantly uh, a big man's business. Sure. Uh, and it took me a long time to get abroad, actually, because it, it, the promotions they didn't they didn't start accepting smaller smaller guys, until I was well into my career. Like now, for instance, when I go over to WWE, they've got middleweights there now. Sure, absolutely. So, as I've got older, they've started accepting the smaller, lighter Mm. guys. So, it wasn't that I uh, didn't want to go to these places, it's just that there wasn't the opportunity because they didn't want lightweights like me. Mm. And so the, the Japanese tour, did it was it you that went to them and said, I'm going to retire now, this is your last chance? Or, or was it them that came to you and suggested it? No, I, I, don't, I don't think retirement wasn't <clears throat> mentioned, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I just got the offer to go over to Japan. And uh, I thought, yes, OK, we'll take it. 
to be perfectly honest, my life was my personal life was in a bit of a mess at the time, and uh, I had to restructure my life. So yeah. I thought, right, we'll do we'll do this big tour, yeah, uh, and I'll come back, and I need to just take a break from the business while I restructure my life. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you need to do that. That's that's what I did. Was it your first time out in Japan, or had you been there before? Uh, no, that the big the big tour was the first time in Japan. Uh, I went I went back again for one match. Yeah, uh, for a, for a week. Yes, that's that's mad if you think about it. Bearing in mind knowing that, um, so we've had like Japanese fans of Progress come mm-hmm. to shows, and uh, and I remember one of them talking to Zack Saber Junior. Mm-hmm. and talking to him about how. His style of wrestling was very Wigan style, mm-hmm. and it was like knowing that 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 yes. style is yes. such a big part of what they're into, yes. and and certainly the 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 sort of the cross promoted uh, legitimate fighting with, yes. with with professional wrestling, and, yes. and it seems crazy that it, it took you to fifty five to get to Japan. It's, yes, yes, it, yes. It, it's 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 yeah. it's crazy. I mean, did you enjoy it when you were there? Oh, I did. Oh, I did. Yes, yes. I think in some ways, like. I get to travel a bit with comedy now, and, mm-hmm. and I think, because I'm in my late 30s, I enjoy it more now than I would have done if I was in my 20s. Yes. I think there's something about the older you get, the more you enjoy those opportunities. That's it? right, yeah. yes. And treated with so much respect. Yeah. I couldn't believe how respectful the Japanese people were, and, and uh, on the last, uh, the last couple of weeks, well, the last week I was there, I finished up showing on quite a few of the Japanese lads a few moves, you know. Excellent. Um, and then, and, and this was, I remember buying this DVD, when you went to, to work for Shikara, um, right. in, uh, in, the, in the sort of northeast coast of America. Right. Um, yes. Shikara, a company I enjoy a lot, have mm-hmm. done for a long time, they've produced a lot of stars who've gone to other things as well. Yeah. Um, and I remember buying the King of Trios 2009, mm-hmm. uh, which you were part of, mm-hmm. um, and you were in a team with uh, uh, Jorge Rivera and Mike Quackenbush. That's right. Yes. Um, and and there being a match which was you, you guys against uh, the the artist now known as Cesaro. Yes. Uh, Dave Taylor. Yes. Uh, and and uh, person uh, um, uh, Daniel Bryan. That's right. Um, which is. In my, it's like all the all the stuff I'm a fan of <laughs> in one in one yes. match, and and seeing how the crowd reacted to you mm-hmm. out there for that mm-hmm. was it was so respectful and so nice it, to see. It was absolutely amazing. I couldn't believe uh, the reception I got, uh, and it just proved to me how popular and how worldwide the old world of sport. Um, uh, television had, had, had gone, mm. and, and someone like Mike Quackenbush is obviously in charge of Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's, he's super into the world of sports style. Oh, yes, yes, and and you can see elements of that in what he does. That's whilst right. he's still very much an American independent wrestler, yes. you can still see that. And and I think when we were when we were starting Progress, Chicago was a big influence on us. Just that they they're different. Yes, and they feel different, and they always have. Yes. And I think that's. Um, something we were talking about last week on the podcast it, it, it's it's something really special to do to have a different product because it's, mm. it's easy to try and be like everybody else oh yes and, and for me it's the same reason you stick out as a wrestler mm-hmm. is it would have been easy to do what everyone else was doing but mm. you always felt different and that different was the thing that presumably gave you longevity in your career was yes. always trying to be a bit, a bit that's different that's right yes yeah. did, did you ever 
Was there a point where you actually ever sat down and said, I'm going to be different from everybody else? Or was it just an, a natural sort of progression of, of what you're like as a person and uh, uh, what I'm like as an athlete? I don't think I consciously thought about it. Mm. Uh, it just seemed to... Uh, it just seemed to happen, yeah. and um, and because it because of the reception I was getting everywhere, um, I felt comfortable and happy, sort of progressing this style. Yeah, yeah. And so I just kept it up. Yeah, it's um, um, the, I, I do recommend people go and see your your work in Chicago because it's it's fantastic. You had a you were much of Johnny Kidd out in the states as well. That's right. Yeah. Twenty eleven, I think that was. Yeah, yeah. Which is. If you think about it, it's just the level of respect that the world of sport style was have oh, over there oh, yeah. for you guys to be taken out of. <clears throat> absolutely. Well, I, I, I wrestled Mike Quackenbush in Germany mm. in one of the tournaments, and uh, and I'd done a training uh, seminar one afternoon with some of the, the American guys. Yeah. And it was then that uh, Mike Quackenbush asked me what I go out to uh, to uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. And yeah, that's how it happened. And I think it's brilliant that. All those years, because that was your first, for Chicago was your, your first time in America? Yes, it was. Which again is amazing that mm. your first time in America was yeah. you in your late 60s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All those years after you yes. actually write into them in, yes. in the 1960s. Yeah, it? it must be like 35 years since I first wrote. And, uh, <laughs> it took me 35, I've always been a slow person actually, it took me 35 years to get there. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, you, you mentioned the, the, the WWE um, coaching thing. And again, that must come out of the respect of the world of sports style that, that yes. you got given that opportunity to, to yes. go out there this year. And, yes. uh, you know, um, is it? <clears throat> uh, so I know there's I know a fair few people in WWE, and I know that all of them look up to you. Mm. So everyone, it, how I'd equate you with, with you in terms of your impact in America is, um, so say you're really into music, and sometimes there'll be a band that maybe they don't make the massive impact. They make an impact at the time, mm -hmm. but then their legacy keeps going forever and ever and mm -hmm. ever. Someone like Jimi Hendrix, whose mm -hmm. impact at the time was, was good, but yes. not, not right. how you think it yes. is now. Yes. And I think that's a bit like you with, uh, you as a wrestler. Mm -hmm. Your impact on, on today's wrestlers is, is vast, because most people who are into wrestling now mm -hmm. are, are, are nerds about wrestling, and mm -hmm. because of the internet, mm -hmm. they can go and watch you. Yes, you know they don't need to have grown up here to have necessarily seen your style. Mm. So when you're when you're out there coaching, is it, it is it a strange experience for you to um, to to sort of see uh, see how respected you are? I mean, is it, it, it and is it is it amazing to be able to pass on your knowledge not just to people who are already good wrestlers? But to people like you mentioned before, the NFL guys and, and the legitimate athletes that they bring in, mm -hmm. is it amazing being able to pass on that knowledge to people who are completely new to this? It is amazing actually because uh, I know I keep harping on about this. I am very much, very much old school, mm. and <clears throat> I I look at these guys and I think, well, these guys could teach me a thing or two now. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I have to ask myself, just a minute. Where do I fit into all this? Yeah. And it obviously m must be something about the old world of sports stuff and the way that I was brought into the business that yeah. seems to click with these guys. And uh, it can sometimes be a little bit daunting <laughs> because I, I just go over there and show them the basic stuff. Uh, 
And I, I notice a lot of the training seminars that I do in this country, um, it's just a totally different style now. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I just keep going back to basics all the time. Mm. Because um, you've got to learn to walk before you can run. Absolutely, you've got to get all the basics. That's in right. Place. And everybody these days seems to want to be doing back somersaults off the top rope before they can even uh, link up and take a man down properly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's obviously something there which I'm which I'm which I'm very I'm not sure about. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's something that people want to know. Yeah. And. In terms of obviously you, you've given you you personally wrestling up, but do you think you'll be you'll be coaching for a few more years yet before you eventually properly retire and don't do anything anymore? Do you think you'll still be coaching? As long as I, <coughs> yeah, as long as I, f I feel all right doing it, mm. yes. Uh, I think what you've got to remember or what you've got to try and and avoid is that um, all the years I was wrestling, it it, it takes over your life. Of course. Completely. I've, I've heard William Regal do um, uh, our training school. Like, yes. sit people down and say, if you want to do this, yeah. this is what you need to know. Yes. It's not it, it, It's not a normal job. No. And it does take over your life. Oh, it takes it? over every, every aspect of your life. Mm. Um, I mean, I've, I've had two divorces. Mm. And I'm not saying that the business was wholly responsible. Mm. Or the two divorces, but it did play a big part mm. in the in as much as I was away traveling all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So it does, it takes over your life. So as far as retirement is concerned, as long as it doesn't become too much, then I'll continue. And as long as I enjoy it, then I will continue. But the minute I find it, oh, I'm not enjoying this, or oh, this is taking over my life, uh, that's it. I will yeah. finish it. Yeah. Do you, um, when was the last time you, you and it might have been never because it's, I don't like, I don't watch stand-up on television and people always, people always say to me, did you watch Live at the Apollo? And I'm like, no. And I've often, my friends are often on it, but mm -hmm. no, because it, it's work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like when I come home, mm -hmm. I like to hang out with my son, hang out with my mm -hmm. wife mm -hmm. and not talk about comedy because it's my yeah. life. Yes. Um, when, do you ever sort of watch wrestling recreationally anymore or are you? No. No. I am a I'm a terrible television watcher actually. <laughs> I find most of the programs that are on these days are absolute rubbish for I, me. I would also, to be honest, I don't because of now you can watch television. You can choose what you watch yes. on demand. Yeah. That makes it a lot easier for me because if I was yes. forced to watch scheduled television, I'd go oh, mad. Oh, so would I. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be climbing up the wall. I tend to record most of what I and then watch them when I feel like yeah. watching. Yeah. Them. But ordinary television, my television doesn't go on much before eight, after eight nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Uh, and I'll probably watch one or two programmes that I've recorded. I like watching the news at 10 or the news at 10.30, whatever, and then that's it for me. I'm off to bed and reading. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I live a, a very mundane life now. <laughs> no, but I think as well, like you've had years and years in the wrestling business, yeah. and there's something, whilst on one hand you will have been super, super busy, mm. you don't get to... You don't get to your age still being involved in the wrestling industry if you've been out 
partying every single night for the that's last right. sixty years. That's not how it works. No, that's right. You know what I mean? The, the people who the people who end up in in any industry for the longest period of time are the people who are sensible. Yes. And yeah. you know, I think well, you need to have that. age has got something to do with it as well. <laughs> not that I'm saying you weren't. Not that I'm saying you were always sensible. Um, but um, my final question I want to ask you, okay. and I'll let you get on with your day. And again, I'm, I'm super super grateful for your time. Is um, so William Regal emailed me and asked me to ask you a very specific question, mm-hmm. and it could be a rib on us both, because he does like to do that, and I'm sure <laughs> it is. Um, uh, he says, um, could you please explain to me how the Lord Mount Evans rules came about? <laughs> how the Lord Mount Evans rules came about? Well... <laughs> Before, when uh, when joint promotions was formed, in order to be legit mm. and get television, th- this is a story I've been told. It's not yeah. forced to be one hundred percent correct. Yeah. But joint promotions formed the com- a company, so they uh, obviously were responsible they had to put tax returns in and everything yeah. you know and because the rules of wrestling were so uh, willy nilly and it was all styles they actually I believe went to the Houses of Parliament and got uh, Lord Mount Evans or whoever he was called who I believe was a bit of a <laughs> You know, well, yeah, yeah, a bit of a drinker and what have you, yeah. and uh, and they bunged him a few quid. <laughs> this is what I'm told. So I don't. I'm not. Nobody's going to sue me over I'll it. Just, let me just. Let me just cut up so no one sues us. Allegedly, there we go. That's all you need to say. To sanction the the rules that they had drawn up. Amazing. And the rules were it, it was called all in wrestling. Amazing. So it's kind of like. The latter day Marcus of Queensbury, really. Yeah, something like that. But but yeah. but, but involved someone yes. throwing him a roll of notes. Yeah, this is what <laughs> this is what I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> um, one that one very very last thing that okay. popped into my head. The, the first place I ever went to watch wrestling was Granby Halls in Leicester, which oh, isn't yes. there anymore. Um, uh, is, is it gone? Uh, it was knocked down in the late eighties, I believe. Really? Yeah, because uh, it's where the Leicester Tigers rugby ground is. Oh my gosh! And I've wrestled there hundreds of times. And um. Is there any places that really stick out? And it can be, be one, it could be, be loads. I mean, the only places that really stick out is your favourite places that you've wrestled over your career. Yes. Because um, I'm, I'm really sort of, uh, I'm really geeky about about venues. Like a, yes. a big thing for as we progress is we can't just we can't just do it at a leisure centre. No. We do it in music venues because it fits our image. Right. And. And it, it means that our shows feel a certain way. And I know from my point of view, I've been to the ECW Arena in, in Philadelphia, and yeah. I, I've been to um, I've been to various cool places. And I want to go to watch wrestling in Currican Hall in, yeah. in Tokyo, and I've got like a wish list of places. But there must have been some amazing places that you've wrestled in that that you look back on and go, yeah, they they're the places that that, that I can. That my legacy of wrestling is I've wrestled in these places. Well, I'm going to disappoint you a little bit, Jim, because my favourite place to wrestle when I lived in Manchester was Bellevue, because it was local. Yeah. 
<laughs> There's nothing better than being back in your house no, by midnight. Just, yeah, but apart from that, I could go out and meet the boys and, and yeah. have a few beers, yeah. you know, which you can't do if you're wrestling at the Albert Hall and you live in Manchester or you live in Blackpool or yeah. Rill as I live now. You can't do that. You've, you've got to get back, you know, yeah. so local was always the best. That food was a decent venue, though, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. Because I was reading problem. in, I think it was the rest that I was reading in, the, the, the book uh, yeah. about Bellevue. Obviously, I've never been there, but it was... It's not there anymore, is it? Bob? No, no, they knocked it down completely. But I mean, it was. Uh, I remember my my parents taking me to Bellevue when I was a child, five, six, seven years old. There was every there was zoo. There was a zoo there. You could ride the elephants. Uh, there was honest, honest to God, yes. Uh, there, there was there was the speed speedway there. Yeah. There was the dance hall there. There was the, the Bellevue Fight Stadium. Amazing, absolutely, it was a big place, but also, as well, surely that would have played into you liking it as a venue. Is if you've been anywhere you've been when you were a kid. So, I know for me, when I got to do stand up at Democrat Hall in Leicester because mm-hmm. I'm from Leicester, yes, that was a huge deal to me, yeah. And that must have been the same for you. If you've if oh, you, somewhere you've been when you were a child, to yes. then you're wrestling there, yes, it, it makes yeah. you feel like you've properly progressed, doesn't yeah. It? Well, I used to go and watch Billy Robinson there, you know, I used to take my girlfriend of the time and then, uh. I'd, I'd pay and, and go in, yeah. and then afterwards we'd we'd go out, you know. And so when I turned professional and, and you started getting the the belt, I thought brilliant. Yeah. I could go and meet the boys, and we could have a night out, or I could go home, or you know. No. And, and to be fair, as someone who travels a lot, I totally sympathise. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally People might think that's a rather bland. No. Uh, but but yeah, it's a big part of your big part of your origin, though, isn't it? Being being of the same ilk, you, you travel a lot, and yeah. You, yeah, travelling does sometimes get you down a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it's the one thing that it's the one thing that will make me stop doing comedy. Yes, <laughs> like because yeah. I like being at home. Yeah, yes. like, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really one for being out. I like being at home. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, right. Um, before we wrap things up, um, you're not you're not on Twitter and things like that, are you? You're... I'm on Facebook. I've just gone back on Facebook again. Right. I'm finding a bit of a struggle actually because I do like my privacy. I went off Facebook originally. Mm. Because I do like my privacy. Yeah, it's an important thing. I, yeah, yeah I um, and I am struggling with it a little bit at the moment. I'm not sure I've done the right thing going back. Yeah. Um, so you know. Yeah. Uh, so don't add Johnny on Facebook. Is what we're saying. Sorry, uh, don't, I'm, saying, I'm saying to the listeners, don't add Johnny on Facebook. Right, um, leave him to his privacy. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, uh, what's sort of next for you for the next the next sort of few months? Um, what's have you got? I don't know if we can talk about. Can we talk about what you're doing for the next few months? Uh, well, I'm going off to WWE, aren't I? Yeah. Which is which is a bit good. So you went yeah. you went over in March. In March for a week. And yeah. that was for a week. Yes. And now you're back over to the performance centre. Yes. Um, for six months. Six months. So they've said yes. yes. <laughs> you made that sound like they've got to get out. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so six months of you tre- teaching. In the, in the best facility in the world, teaching oh, wrestlers. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's it's somewhere I'm hoping, yeah. hoping at some point. Yeah. I know enough people there. Yeah. I'm hoping at some point to go and see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is. I was saying this before we started recording. It's a very British place to learn. Yeah. With you, you yourself now there, yeah. and Willow Eagles there, and Robbie, Robbie Brookside, yes. Norman Smiley, Norman Smiley, yes. Um, who people forget is born in Northampton. Yes, he um, was. Uh, yes. And um, uh, Fit Finley. And yes. It's just it's. It's a brilliant place to be, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. You know. um, but you, I presume you're looking forward to that. I am in a way, yes. It's a bit daunting, you know, yeah. to be there for, for 
six months. But, uh, it's like, like going back to what I said before, uh, they could teach me a thing or two yeah. now with the modern style, yeah. but they obviously want something of the old style. Yeah. And uh, so that's what I'm, I'm doing. Are you going to be able to find sand dunes for you to run up every day? <laughs> well, that's a bit central, isn't it? It's a bit central, actually, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, there's a good gymnasium there, though, so... Oh, you'll be all right. Oh, yes. I, lo I love the idea of, of you being in there first thing in the morning. Yes. And people yeah. you, people half your age, well, more than half your age, coming in and going, <laughs> oh, he's here again. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been a proper pleasure, and I really appreciate you uh, giving me your time. And um, all the best uh, for your next few months over in Orlando. Thank you very much. What an absolute gentleman Johnny Saint is. Again, really grateful that he gave up an hour and a bit of his time to chat to me and to you guys uh, about professional wrestling and his, his history and his life story. He's just a, a fascinating man. Um, if you ever get a chance, you're a trainee wrestler, you ever get a chance to go along to one of the seminars that he does with Marty Jones, go to them. You will learn so much from this man. You've heard what he's going to be doing with WWE. He, he's so important in terms of the development of professional wrestling and the reason I like wrestling. Without him, I might not like wrestling as much as I do now. There may be no Tuesday Night Jaw, there'd be no progress, there'd be no me just banging on about wrestling all the time. So it's a wonderful man, a joy to spend some time in his company. So once again, little plugs on the way out. JimSmallman.com for stuff about me. ProgressWrestling.com for stuff about progress. Demand-Progress.com to watch all the progress shows. Everything on the Distraction Pieces Network is good, so check all that sort of stuff out. Hopefully there'll be another uh, Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode next week. Depends. I've got a complicated week. Um, there might be a cool Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode next week. If not, there'll be something cool, because that's what I like doing. I like putting out podcasts for you guys to listen to. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Keep rating, reviewing, subscribing on iTunes, telling people about this podcast, because everything you do helps this podcast grow, and I appreciate it. Claudio appreciates it. Don't you, baby Claudio? You appreciate it? Do you? He's just kind of kicking his legs. I mean, that doesn't really come across on a podcast, but trust me, he's adorable. He is. I'm biased, he's my son. Um, so uh, enjoy. If, if, if One last little thing. I'm a stand-up comedian by trade. If you're going to a Christmas party and your Christmas party's in a comedy club and you don't necessarily like comedy, then just maybe don't be a dick. Not that I'm saying that's what I've had to deal with since the, probably the last week in November, but it is. Um, it's the only time of year I don't particularly enjoy being a comedian. So just, you know, think of comedians at this time of Christmas. <laughs> what a weird thing to end a podcast on. Uh, I can't end it on that. Uh, I'll end it on um, just Johnny Satan is awesome. You guys are awesome. Um, hopefully, this is going to make you go onto YouTube and check out a load of Johnny Saint matches. If you want to tweet me your favourite Johnny Saint matches, do at Jim Smallman uh, and I'll forward them on to, to my Twitter following as well. Um, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. I will speak to you next week. That's right, Claudio. Next week, mate. That's right. See you soon, guys. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>